Oh, Mordechai, Mordechai, Mordechai at Sadik. Okay, um, I'm not sure what happened. Um, I think he chickened out, so next week I'll nominate someone. Should I nominate someone now? Dan, you want to do like the, the intro to chapter six? That way you have like sure. next week to, okay. you have like a way to think about it. Okay, beauty, beauty, beauty. I'll do, I'll do this one. Oh, oh, okay. So tell us the next part of the story. Next part of the story. Without, he's doing it blind, by the way. He doesn't uh, yeah, have a book in front of him. Okay. Um, the next part of the story, he talks about the Viceroy uh, going, searching for hours and, and not being able to find any trace of the, of the young princess until he sees a path off on the side and he decides he's going to take that path. And we discuss different things about uh, going through different, um, different areas like the desert, forest, uh, the desert, the field, and the forest. How each of them are sort of levels of of where where you're holding. There's a three part process of getting closer to Hashem, and that three part process was uh, you know starting at the desert where nothing is growing and no interest and nothing's happening. Then the field is a little bit more. Um, I think it's a little more of growth, and the forest is like crazy amount of growth. But when you get back to the desert, doesn't mean that you went back to level one. It means you're on a new level and starting with a with a new desert to overcome. Um, that's your video game, Mushroom. That's my video game. You're muscle. in World Two. You're in level World Two, one. level one. <laughs> <We're> Mario. <laughs> I can relate to this. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, sorry, that, that's I'm sort of like stuck I at. I don't know if he continues on after. I only read for that. Uh, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. And then it just he just ends he just ends off this little piece here that we're reading this week is that he was going for a very long time and uh, and then dot 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 we have to find out what happens. So a little foreshadowing is that the next step in is actually where the viceroy discovers the place where the lost princess is. It's a whole nother discussion of where that place is where the lost princess ended up. Because in this part that we're reading in this chapter, she's not part of the story. She's just the one we're searching for, but she's not part of the story. So Rabbi Nachman tells us exactly like Isaac said, is that he's, he was searching, he was searching through a bunch of different landscapes. And um, is that Mario? Mm-hmm. And, then, and so, <laughs> so that's a great ringtone. So, um, so, 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 so the, she, the Viceroy who we identified as last week, the viceroy who we identified as the um, pintalayid, or that little spark inside of you that's always burning bright. Um, and maybe it's covered over, maybe it's walled in or caged in, but it's always there burning bright. And like David discovered this week is that the pintalayid is the good point about you, that holiness inside of you, Right, that godliness inside of you is what allows you from within to begin your search for what is lost. And what is it that is lost? Is in the story, it's a princess. And the idea that we going back to you know chapter two and going back to earlier was the idea was that what you're searching for is that um, the lost princess of youthful exuberance, excitement, and passion that one has for mitzvah observance and Torah learning and connecting with Hashem. 
And so, um, so here, Rabbi Nachman is really in the interpretation. As we get through this chapter, we start seeing how Rabbi Nachman is actually giving us a roadmap for success, right? This is one of the things that really touched me about, uh, in general, about the world in the world of Breslov, is that it's a very real look at the struggles that one has in growing. But it's also every time there's a an, a problem or a struggle that's presented, they're always, Rabbi Nachman especially, is always presenting what the solution to the problem is, right? And so here we have the problem that we're presented with is that in our trying to attain spiritual connection and finding this lost princess, right? Our own selves, our... Pintalayid, or our Nikuda Tova, our spark of godliness inside of us, is faced with challenges that we spoke about last week. We spoke about in general challenges, but here now we get to go a little a little bit more into the specifics of what the challenges are, right? And so Rabbi Nachman splits it up into three different landscapes, three different areas that one can travel through, and. Um, and he does it so beautifully in the book of explaining the desert as being that, that place uh, that's desolate and that lacks, uh, you know, sustenance. And so if Torah is life, right? So then the desert of a trying to accomplish in the world of Torah and the world of Hashem is a place that lacks connection and it lacks uh, it really lacks growth. It lacks any growth. It's very hard to grow something in the desert, right? It's a great miracle of the farms in the southern part of the land of Israel, right? This part of the, this part of the desert of the Middle East that laid, you know, that was, that was dead for so many years. And then the, the, after the establishment of the state of Israel and when they start planting farms down there and all of a sudden they figure out how to grow and it's the craziest thing. But it's very hard to get something to grow in the desert. And so there are times, what Rabbi Nachman's alluding to is there's times in our lives when the feeling is a feeling of desert. And the struggle is a struggle of desert. But, the, but there's growth in that ah, place. Ah, so that's an issue, right? That's yeah. issue number one that's raised in this chapter is that there's times that are, you're going in a desert. Now what's the solution? So what's the approach when a person has that feeling, when they wake up in the morning, and maybe they're not exactly sure why, but they wake up in the morning and they're just, they're not feeling it, right? Sometimes it's, a, it's an energy issue. Sometimes it's a physical energy issue. But usually the physical energy issue is indicative of something going on up here, traveling through a desert, what your mind controls everything, right? So you're traveling through a desert in time, a desert of growth. So what's the approach? I remember reading other Rabbi Nachman uh, many years ago, coming back to me, he was saying, like, in those moments, that's where everything you accomplish, you will have acquired. Like, when things are going good, it's really because Hashem's, like, pushing you, he's giving inspiration. Right. You're not necessarily acquiring that for yourself, right? It's when things are low like that, and then you forge ahead, that's when you're actually acquiring things for yourself. Like, I can still do something, I can still accomplish here, even though that's, I'm fighting for it. Right. Right? I'm fighting for it. I remember, I think I remember your father saying something about like just floating to just like maintaining and, and managing just to get to the next step, to mm-hmm. get to that point where you can actually grow and growth is actual, actually possible. Um, 
trying to remember. He, he, had, he had something like he said yeah. about management that we were just like saying. Yeah, it was. You're right. You're right. It was a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. It wasn't so long ago, no, right? No, it was saying like just just focus on getting to that next terrain or that next field where you could grow, and that's when you can really make make things happen. What do you do practically? Like when you feel like that, what do you do practically? Like what do you do about the mitzvahs that you 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 observe? You have to start off small. So you do, you do something small, something easy, so you get a small victory. Okay. And you get Good. A little more, you know, Good. One thing leads to another. Good. Those it's small, those small things are huge because in the vacuum of the mm-hmm. desert, contextually, they're massive. And you and you count it as a win, yeah, right? Like even if it's just give, maybe it's giving a dollar in a tzedakah box, something really small and easy. That's beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome because. I think, you know, these, we're going to talk about two more landscapes, right? But they're, it's not linear. It's not, it, it, it is in the general sense, right? That there's sometimes when you're in the desert, there's sometimes when you're in the field, and sometimes when you're in the forest. That's true. But we already said that it's cyclical, that it comes back around, right? And so when you get to world two, you're back at level one. That can be discouraging, but understanding that you're at world too. But I think even within moments and days, you can have moments of growth that is in happening in the desert, like you're saying, right? Like Ben is pointing out that you can grow and count the small wins, right? You can count the small wins and then, and then you can have growth even within it could be an hour later or it could be a minute later, but you could have growth that's within happening, taking place in a experience of a field. And then you have growth that's happening in the experience of a, of a, a forest. Like there's, there could be, it could all kind of mishkebabble together, right? It could all come together as one, but you have to, you know, like another thing that like is being pointed out is like your state, like where you are, is important for you to focus on because it's going to tell you how to act. We, I'm so happy that you're here because we mamish got something that I need your insight on. In a moment of desert, in a moment when you're, you just feel like desert, there's nothing growing, how do you, what do you, what's your, what's your, you know, what's your off to how do you still, how can you still, you know, eke out the growth? Ben pointed out that you can, cons- recognize the small wins that you have and the small things that you do, which maybe other times you would take them for granted, right? You give a dollar to tzedakah, you didn't even really, didn't even really think about how that changes you and that changes the universe. And, you know, you don't, you didn't think about any of that, but maybe at, at that time you have to like really focus on the small things, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you have any idea. Okay, I get you warmed up. So you can think about it. <laughs> One thing I found is very important is when you get in that state and you just and you're, and you don't feel any growth, you're not connecting with anything, that your Yetzirah will like make you think that, that that's where you're just going to be. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things to constantly remind yourself is like, this is just this is just temporary, and I'm going to get somewhere better. So just sort of... It's just a stage. It's, it's just, just a stage. A stage. stage it might last it. for a couple of minutes, a couple of days, a couple yeah. weeks, but it's just a stage. Yeah. And it's a stage where I need to remember that there is... I can eke out something out of the desert, right? I can get something out of the desert. I want to propose even if you don't get it. Yeah. It's nice to live nice. Yeah. It's, there's a purpose to this destruction. There's a purpose to this desolation, to this desert. And it's to, to grind it down so that you can be built back better. Okay. Right. So you don't actually have to have any building, any growth during the desert stage. 
as Isaac said, you just have to coast there. Right. There you have to coast. Is that, is that a humbling stage so you can get, grow to the next level? Is that what you're it saying? Could be, it could be in whatever way you need. Yeah. If you need to be humbled, then it will be humbling. If you need to, to be broken spirit, uh, physically, it'll be a, physically, a physical break. If you need to you know, have $30,000 in debt, then that's what it'll be. You know, whatever it is. You've got to get through it. Yeah. You've got to get through it's that there, experience. So that you can build up. Right. Can right. I say one thing? I yeah. remember what Dan said one other time, too, and it kind of, maybe to me, it seems kind of applicable. Um, when you said that, you know, when you were going through the things that you were going through, you saw that as an opportunity to say, okay, this is a chance for me to, to grow from this. This is a chance for me to shine. When you were going through the issues that you were going through, you said, this is an opportunity for me to actually grow in the midst of my issues that I'm having. You say you were happy because you're like, I know Hashem has something in store for me. So maybe that's a way sort of a building up anticipation. Yeah. You find that opportunity. You find that opportunity, right? Like, this is an opportunity for me to actually grow. I always think, I always think, uh, tell, me, uh, tell me, I mean, let's just talk about it like a practical example. You got a guy who's Davin Shacharit. He Davin the morning prayers every single day. Six months, he's on a roll, he's on a streak, he's good to go. And then he goes through a really rough period, and it could happen for a million different things. And it feels like he's in a desert where, you know, it's almost like he's questioning if he's going to still be doing that right now, right? Is he still going to be davening shacharit or whatever it is, putting on tefillin? Or, you know, or you talk about someone who's on a different level where they've paid attention to their Shmona Esrei for months on end and then they come in and it's just craziness they just got a text from work and the emails are buzzing and they just their kid just fell off the bike and they had to and they're running late to shul and they, and it's going to be like almost it's going to be like so hard like that could also be described like when you have these challenges you're in that moment of not growth and sometimes i think about it as like appreciate the things that because of your previous growth appreciate the things that are now off the table for discussion, right? So whereas when you're here in growth, I'm moving this way from right to left on your radio dial, right? Um, when, you're, when you're here in growth, right? So then there's certain things that are negotiable, right? It might be putting on tefillin, right? It might be eating kosher. It might be, it's, there's, it might be, do I pay attention during Shimon Esrei? It might be, am I nice or not nice to, right? I'm saying, you can, have, you can struggle on all different levels, right? Right, we agree that like, there's like, no? Yeah. Across the oh, spectrum, yeah, yeah. right? Do, uh, you can struggle, you can struggle anywhere, with, anywhere across a, a very wide spectrum. But appreciate that at a certain point, you've made a decision or a commitment Right, like you're committed, like this is off the table. Now my struggle is in a whole different area, and maybe during the desert, it's like appreciate the things that are non-negotiable, and and remain steadfast. That like no, that's not negotiable. You know what? This is not a time right now. If I'm struggling with putting on to fill in today, maybe it's not the time to be increasing or growing in my concentration. In davening, right? Maybe this is like, I don't know. I see it like coast. Co like, I think that's like a little bit overlap with this idea of coasting or like maintaining your system, like maintaining what you have acquired. 
it's not a place to go plant a garden. You're in the desert, right? This is not a great place to be like, you know what? Today, I'm starting a vegetable garden, right? This is not a great time. But you have to be aware. Like, that's step number one is, like, <clears throat> being aware of where you're holding. Because it, the, on the flip side, if you're, when you get to a place of massive growth, like Isaac said so beautifully, when you get to a place of the forest where stuff springs out and sprouts out, it's, it's even like unplanted, right? It's growing by itself, right? When you get to a place like that, recognize and realize that you're being pushed along here, yeah. right? There's, yeah. You're in an environment and in, internally you're in yeah. an environment where growth is, now it's time to now, I have to renegotiate up. Right? I have to renegotiate up is like I always thought this level was off the table for me. Right. But I'm in a moment. I'm having a moment here. Like maybe I could try to do that thing that I always thought was impossible. And, and I'm gonna add one to my non-negotiables. Yeah. Oh, exactly, exactly. You have to continue going. But that thing, that exact Nakuda, exactly I think is these three steps. Like is if you take a step back and look at these three areas of where a person could be, is like you have the area of the desert where it's not a good place to be planting, but but you know what? You can get through it. You can get through it if you, you know, pull your visor down, the sand is kicking up around you, but if you pull your visor down and you plow through it, you can get through it. Right? So I just want to add one category book. Yeah, of course. So one of the things they like I remember learning when I used to used to learn. They would say, when you're when you're learning, you looked ahead and be like, oh my gosh, like, yo Kipper davening, you know, like, oh my gosh, I have all this to finish, and those times you have to stop looking here and look at, look at what we have accomplished, like on this book, look how much how many pages we've gone through, and kind of like, get to that point where you can get to, yes, okay, yeah. continue. That's how when you were saying like, like recognizing what's not negotiable to stop and realize like where what was not negotiable before uh well, especially for like you know this Baltic Shiva guys like I remember like just like a couple weeks I was like I did not feel like go meeting going to the club at nine o'clock at night and studying I was like I'm not I don't want to do it I'm just going to listen to a podcast right I was like I'm just I'm, and I canceled and then I was like but this is pretty good that I was studying Talmud or listening to a Parsha podcast whereas a year ago I was listening to a Parsha podcast or watching something on Netflix you know, for that, I was watching something not kosher on Netflix versus kosher. You know, it's just like so. You start to like you start to like get build like okay, get some. I don't know. Look at see where you've gone to build that foundation. That where you. I think it's so important, and then you and then you're then you're able to maintain it and hold on to it in the yeah. desert. You hold on to it tight because you're like I'm. This is not embarrassing that I can't grow here. I'm proud of what I've attained. I'm proud of what I have. I'm proud that like. Shabbos observance is off the table. Like I am Shabbos observant, right? Like yeah. I am proud of that. That's something to be proud of. Oh, I'm not growing right now. That's not my mode that I'm in. I can't be in that mode right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm self-aware enough, and that's what that's exactly what he's pointing out by showing us different stages. Is telling us be aware, be aware of it. Be you. You have to be keyed into your emotional well-being, to your to your emotional sense of self and your what's going on mentally where you are where your what your environment is and then you have to define for yourself which <clears throat> mode you're in obviously you know to to see it in the bigger context you define and then and then decide on the path so we so i think we got the desert this maintenance and holding on to what you have 
I think I, I, I kind of I kind of agree with I, I agree on some of what you said because like uh, I think uh, one of the main things is to focus on on, on the good that you've done and, and you know a lot of times like uh, I've read a lot in uh, Rabbi Nachman's teachings that he says that whenever you're in like a uh, they call it mochin de katnut like a, a small mindedness you know you can't see very clearly everything is uh, not so clear and you feel like you feel like nothing's working out or whatever is you're in a rut. Uh, so w- one of the things that they do is you you, 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 you expand, you know, you, you, you find the points, you find the points that you can be happy about, like you said, like the, the non-negotiable parts, and you find uh, things that you can be thankful for, you know, and you thank Hashem for those, those things, automatically you become happy, and, and, you, and with joy, you kind of get out, you start getting out of that rut, I think. I think joy helps a lot, um, and... Uh, you know, Rabbi Nachman says that when a, play, a person's in a place of darkness, he has to say words of truth. You know, make sure that when you when you do your ibodedut or when you do your prayers, to try and say some part of it sincerely with the heart. You know, and that helps a person, you know, move move forward and kind of like relivens the person a little bit. You know, that's what that's what I found. Like mainly, I think the main thing is being happy with the the small things. You know. You know, I'm wearing tzitzit today, or I, right. I went to synagogue today, or I, I studied Torah today, whatever it is. Yeah. And hold on to it. And hold on, hold on to it. it. Yeah. Hold on to it. And yeah, and, and you know, bring joy back in. Is, with, it, with everything, with it, within every mitzvah, there's embedded a tremendous amount of joy. You just have to a little bit tap into it. At least just one of them, you know. That's yeah. how we start our day with the morning blessings. They're right. all small things that we're all doing anyway. Right. The small little recognitions. Right. Right. I talk about uh, Rabbi Dessler's teachings, and, and he talks about the Bakira point. So, and that, that's what uh, he's referring to. Like, what's your, what's your bottom line? Are you, you you're, you're never going to go below Shabbos, or that. very good, very good. As like the and, what and the idea is that it keeps on going up. It, the idea is to keep increasing your Bakira line, right, right? right? Your battle happens at the place where your, you know, your good and your and your bad meet. Right? That's where your battle is. And the goal is to keep moving that line forward. Keep advancing the good and, and keep advancing it. Right? Exactly. Exactly. The nekudas avachira. Right? The point where you're making choices. And if you think for a minute, a growing person who thinks for a minute fills their heart with so much joy when they recognize and realize the difference between their point of bechira, their point of making choices where it was two years ago, where it was a month ago, where it was five years ago, after you chart that growth and you see, you know, we talked about this one time about you chart your growth and, yeah. and it's, the, it's to the moon, right? That's how it looks like it's charting. It, and it is, it is charting to the moon. But like every single chart that you, when you graph, you know, when you chart something, it's, it's going to happen. Up. It's never straight up, right? Unless right. it's, uh, unless it's um, Sheba, Sheba, yeah, right? I think also the concept too. It's like that, it's apparently back to the desert. Thinking back to our podcast last year, we said you're like acquiring beachhead, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing in the desert. You've acquired your beachhead, but the thing that's important is don't get comfortable there because then then the Yetzirah brings the battle back to that right. that safe ground right. that you've already acquired. So right. that you always have to be pushing ahead to the next level. Yes, 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 there. yes. Okay, so he travels through the desert. Rabbi Nachman tells us that he travels through the desert. So that means on on the search for uh, joy passion um, and feeling in Judaism there are there's a, there is a travel that needs to take place through a desert then there's a travel that needs to take place in the field the field is a place where you can grow stuff 
right? But it takes a lot of work, right? So you could grow, you can keep pushing, but it, that's a really, that's like you're wading through mud, right? And sometimes it feels like that, right? Sometimes it feels like it's like, I could totally do this, but wow, it's hard. But you feel like in some parts of your life, you're flying. Yeah. In another part, I think a lot of this happens simultaneously. Oh, that's right? a, you said it much better. Because than there's me. a part of my life now that I feel totally it's springtime and everything's wonderful, and, and another part where it's just trudging through mud, trudging, right? Trudging Knee through deep, wondering quicksand. Going to end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's but they're, but they're happening at the same and they're happening at the same moment. Exactly. exactly, they're happening at the same moment. But in different areas, you're going to go through this, right? We're going to go through these. We're going to go through these stages. Be prepared for it, and understand that it's going to take a tremendous toil. Right? Like it says, Hazorim Bidima, Birina Yiktsoru. Those who sow the field with tears will reap with joy. So it takes hard work. The hard work leads to joy. It gets you to, the, to that feeling. It gets you to the princess. It gets you closer to discovering the princess, but it takes time. And then the next phase is the forest. And the forest is a, a beautiful place because, like we pointed out before and we mentioned, Stuff just grows by itself. You're flying high. Springtime, right? What what does springtime mean, right? I mean, it's just stuff just popping out of the trees, right? All this latent energy inside of the 100-year-old trees like Rabbi Nachman talks about, right? Like all this stuff is just just popping out, right? All this stuff is just happening for you and stuff is just working. It's clicking, right? In your growth, it's clicking. It's beautiful. So what's the – so that should be the moment he gets in the – if you're telling a story, right? There's a big question here. If you're telling a story, then the moment that he gets to the springtime and the forest, where stuff's just growing and it's easy, that means you've conquered all, right? I mean, you, you don't have to work anymore. Stuff's just happening. Stuff's just growing out of the ground. There's weeds that are as tall as trees, right? Because they're just, the nutrients are just pumping through them. So you think about your own growth and you're just flying high. So it should be the end of the story, right? And he got to the forest and he found the princess hiding in the forest and he said oh there you are great i got my judaism back great awesome i'm excited i'm passionate i'm awake i'm engaged fully with everything in my life it's like he should find her there but he doesn't so what's the danger there it's it, it must be that Rabbi Nachman's telling us that there's a danger in the forest itself why because you become complacent. Complacency is number one danger, is you're complacent. Lack of appreciation for it. Lack of appreciation, but more, he points, out, he points out something very beautiful, is that all this stuff is growing around you. So you got Torah, you got mitzvahs, right? Okay. You're doing good deeds, you're doing all of it. But what were you searching for? Searching for the- you're not searching for the quantifiable right. trees that you can count. Right? You're not searching for the quantifiable thing. You're searching for the quality. So the quality in the forest, I think, the quality in the forest is not the same as cultivated quality, produce, grown, you know, you, know, you think of the hydroponic farms, right? Or the, glow, uh, the grow houses, right? With every, every leaf is like, you know, every leaf has the amount of nutrients that it needs and the light, and then they turn the light, and then they turn the light, right? Everything's exact, perfect, per- that's the quality, right? But you're in a forest, and the forest is quantity. It's just growth. What's the analogy with, like, Torah and 
Yeah, so you could learn, you could, I could imagine myself learning a lot of Torah and doing a lot of mitzvahs, but then essentially still missing the princess, okay. still struggling with the princess, with the excitement, without the excitement, without the passion, okay. without the kavana, without the focus of the to, mind and of the heart. It has to connect to the bigger picture. And that's what you were searching for the whole time was the princess. Yeah. So you did, you got, you reached a very awesome level you're in the forest there's a lot of torah and a lot of mitzvahs growth essentially is easy but through the lack of appreciation maybe through the lack of gratitude but also through just the overwhelming amount of growth now you've forgotten what you were searching for which was the princess which is the quality like we spoke about way before about quality versus quantity right quantifiable things are countable pages of the talmud are countable but it's not about the pages of the talmud that you study is the most valuable thing why because there's quality to it and you're applying quality to it you're having you're doing it to connect to hashem that's right the you're studying not you know, it, it's not the same. It can't be the same when you're studying Torah and when you're studying mathematics, if you love mathematics. Sorry for anyone who uh, loves mathematics. I don't know anyone like that. But let's just say there's someone who loves mathematics. It can't be just the same that you've accomplished a certain amount in mathematics and you've accomplished a certain amount in Torah. Torah has to be different. What's the difference in Torah? Is we're using the word quality, but it's the princess. It's the fact that the Torah is connecting you to Hashem. The fact that the Torah is changing your life inside, not outside. Outside is like what you could count, what you could measure, what you could see the change. I, I, the seeing the change, much less important than experiencing the change internally. Do you feel the way he's, he, he's portraying this is like, for example, someone who has a very busy schedule and fits in 20 minutes of, of being able to learn as quality versus someone who can learn three hours and doesn't have anything to do, doesn't have a job, is getting paid for not doing anything versus quantity. Don't worry about the time spent or the position in life. Worry, what he's pointing out is that sometimes you can, disc, you're back to the original problem, which was the princess is gone. So you're so focused in the forest on the quantity, on the number, or on something that you can count and measure or see that you're distracted once again from the goal, which is... Loving what you do. Which, yeah, which is loving what you do and loving Hashem and loving Judaism and loving what you're engaged in. Why? I'm having a hard time with, with the need for youthful passion. Did you really read chapter one? Yes. Or you just told me you read one no, line? I did. <laughs> you, can, you can have true enjoyment. These are the words of, of Daphne Klein here. Yeah. You can have true enjoyment in Torah and Avodah, and he says you, do, you, you could fall into the trap of not needing the princess anymore. But I don't see why that's a trap. You had true enjoyment, and you did. You did it on the best level, and you connected, and... So Torah itself, Torah itself is a tricky one because Torah itself, just by engaging in it, it's touching your soul, whether or not, meaning there's a level that you can attain from Torah because it's, it's, it's revealed godliness. Torah is the, 
you know, like the mind of Hashem, Kaviachal, right? The thoughts of Hashem on parchment, right? Or paper. So there's revealed godliness there. And when you learn it, you're immediately connected to that. That's true. That's true. But that's why Torah is a bad example is because there's so much revealed godliness there that you can sometimes, um, you can sometimes mistake that for the, the tachlis or the ultimate goal. When the ultimate goal is actually to connect Hashem and change your insides. So Torah... But, uh, but you can do that. You can do that without a, a thing called youthful passion. How does it change you? If you're learning, let's just, I'm, it might be a straw man, but let's say, let's, say, let's say I'm learning. I'm learning Torah. No specific part. I'm learning Torah. Um, but it really is a cerebral exercise. Mm-hmm. And, it's an, it, and for some reason, it's different than any other cerebral exercise, but only because it makes me feel something. I don't know what it is. Right, but it's not. I'm not actually allowing it to change who I am. But I am. It's changing me because it's Torah, so it's revealed Godliness. Or even if I'm allowing it to change who I am, are you saying that that is youthful passion? Yeah. 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 You're saying the same thing. Yeah. That that what you just said is if you are allowing it to, then that is the princess. That is the princess. Meaning when you. When you study a piece of the Talmud, as much as your mind is focused on the text in front of you, the possibly technical argument that the rabbis in the Gemara are having about a possibly technical detail, seemingly technical, technical detail, right? As much as that, you're, you're, you're the main thing that you are doing, this doesn't mean that it's necessarily bouncing around your head the entire time, but the main thing that you are doing is understanding how Hashem wants the world to work, right? Like the Balatanya says in chapter four, at the end of four and five, that he says, what, do you remember that line? He said that when you study a case in the Talmud of a cow goring a person and how much is a person obligated to pay, what you are studying is what does Hashem want the judgment to be in the world that he created in that case. Meaning always connecting it back to Hashem. And if you do that, you then, you could go through the entire, you know, they tell a story. I don't know, I don't know if it's true, but they tell a story of, of it was the end of a long winter's man in yeshiva, like, like this year where you have an extra month because you have an extra adar um, on the Hebrew calendar. So Pesach is not till later. It was the end of a long, you know, that the yeshiva had spent six months uh, studying uh, Baba Mitzia, Tractate Baba Mitzia, right? And they're learning Elu Mitzias, right? It's all about lost objects. And it's all the technical details of if you lose this and if you give up hope. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever study that, right? And if you give up hope and when does the owner give up hope of ever getting it back? Well, it depends if he has a name on it, if that has a sign. Okay, technical, right? They spent the entire six months studying this one chapter of the Talmud, one chapter of Gemara, right? The very first thing you taught me at TBT. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> so, so you spend this whole thing, you spend this whole long winter's man, right, studying. And then comes in uh, two guys into the mashkiach's office. And they're arguing because one guy lost something and the other guy found it. 
And he says, he, he really stole it from me. And he says, and they say, we have no idea what to do. And he says to them, he says, what do you mean you have no idea what to do? You just spent six months talking about almost this exact case. And they said, we, we have no idea what to do. Like they, they couldn't, they didn't even have a starting point. Meaning it wasn't, they weren't arguing over applying the Talmud that they had learned, but they didn't even have a starting point. There's, there was a disconnect in the story between what they were studying, it was just staying here, as opposed right. to like, what do you mean? Like this is, we're talking, Torah is not just intellectual, it's changing you. It's changing who you are. It's changing everything about you. It's like, I, I don't know, I see it a lot more for me personally when you hear a beautiful speech. And then three minutes later, right? No, you stay awake. You stay awake the whole time, right? I thought he was going to go to sleep three minutes later, right? But three minutes later, it's like in, it rattles around, and then out. But like, it's bringing out a point so that it could change you. Like, think about it. Allow it, allow, be engaged with that idea, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, feel, like, I feel like that's, that's you know, that, yeah, that's all part of, that's all part of this, this, the passion that we're looking for is, means be engaged with the Torah that you're learning. Be engaged with the mitzvah that you're learning. Be engaged with the holiday that you're about to experience. Like, don't just exist in Hanukkah. Let, let it be Hanukkah inside of you. I think a subtle difference here is that somebody could be really passionate about studying Torah because, like you said, there's godliness there, and you can feel it, and when you can discuss it, and you can... But if the Torah is not going to bring you to practice what you're learning, I mean, it's not really reaching your heart. It's just reaching here. Real it's, reaching practice, your, it's reaching your nerves, maybe. You're feeling excited. But if it's not going to bring you to change, then it's really not the right kind of passion. There's two different kinds of passion here. I think there's a passion... Self self enjoyment passion, and then there's a intellectual achievement. I want I want to change. I want to change because of this. To point out, you know, I want to you recognize you recognize your own faults, and you recognize what you're studying is the proper way, and you want to change. Lugar cigars. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's. I think we're using passion, and it's overlapping these two subtle differences. And I think when the, in the case of the forest. The, the reason why he could be get lost in the forest is because he's so he's so he's euphoric with all of the growth and everything. But is that euphoria going to bring him to change, or is that euphoria just because it's he just feels it and he loves it and maybe he's going to start doing it for selfish reasons, not for the right reasons, you know? And you you can see that there's people who who learn all of their lives and they don't change. It can happen. It can happen. So you're still only connecting on the intellectual level. Right, it's got to reach the heart. Engaging it's got to get right. the heart. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, please go. We have to think about it. It's like, uh, we, it needs more. It needs more. It needs more. Okay, so then Rabbi Nachman moves to the idea that, okay, so he travels through these different landscapes of growth. The viceroy does. Travels through these landscapes of growth. But then he ends up and he doesn't find her, right? He says it very clearly, right? Does he say that? He say those words? Sorry. He was looking for her for a very long time. You can imagine. This is like a lifetime. It spans over a lifetime. Now we're already not limited by time. There's just immediately and then long time, right? So says Rabbi Nachman, this took a long time to travel through these three areas of growth. And he was mamish looking for the princess. Could not find passion, joy, excitement in any of these three. Where does he end up? 
Holich Bamidbar, then he's back in the desert, and he sees a path on from the side, he calms himself down, he thinks it over, and he thinks to himself, I was traveling for so long in the desert, and I couldn't find her here in the desert, but now I see there's a path somewhere off the side of the desert. Seems like not a well-worn path. There's a path off to the side. Maybe I'll use that method or mode or path, pathway to find her, right? Maybe I'll come to a place that's inhabited. And he was again traveling for, many to- for much time on this path. So what's he telling us? We are, you already said it beautifully. Is that you get to world two, you get to the next the next thing, and all of a sudden you feel like you're dropped back into the desert. And you say, I don't understand. I already got through a forest. I might be learning a ton of Torah already, right? And then you feel like you're back there. Or at the same moment, you have these things going on, right? You have these forests and these deserts and the fields, and you have all these different aspects of your life that are happening, and, and, and you're like, I'm firing on all cylinders in this part. And then this part, I'm just trudging through, and it's like difficult and painful almost, right? So, and that's what Rabbi Nachman is preparing us for: is that yeah, you at when you've when you've conquered a set of challenges, or you've conquered a set of um, growth. When you've conquered that, yeah, it can feel like you're back in the desert. But you have to realize, and this is really where it's important to realize what's off the table. Is that was all World One, right? Bowser was <laughs> World One, but, right? Uh, what? Yeah. This, uh, what do you mean? I beat the game, bro. I beat the game. Which okay. I beat the game. Super. Um, uh, <laughs> um, I don't remember. Um, uh, but uh, but you, you you feel like those are those are level one challenges, and that's all off the table. That's all out of here. I'm done with that stuff, right? And but you can experience this, and you have to be cognizant and aware of it. Right? This is a great quote from Likut Maran. We have to read it. It's in Likut Maran 25, Torah 25, on page 98. And the Hasidim often make a mistake in this matter. For it suddenly appears as if they have fallen from Avodah Hashem. They feel like, that's it, I'm done. But in truth, it's not a descent at all. It's only that they needed to proceed from level to level. So you're literally leveling up. And in that leveling up, you enter into the next level at the bottom. Now there's a new opportunities for growth. It's a whole new stage of growth, right? And so, which is, speaks exactly to what you said, which is, you can get, you can get out of that. You can get out of that desert that you're in because you, when you recognize that this is like, this is breakthrough time. Like, I am about to break through. I have to get through this level one, world two, in order to advance, but I can break through this. And that's where the breakthrough happens, is actually in the desert. But you had to go through the forest first. Ah, yeah. ah, so you have to, you have Otherwise to. Otherwise you couldn't, couldn't see it. Very good, very good, very good. He, he needed what he had already attained to be able to be back in a desert, it's probably a different desert, right? It's a different challenge. It's a different set of challenges. But he needed to be back in a desert period of his life to be able to then say, wait a second, there's something there off to the side. Right? Like 
knowledge and experience that knowledge experience growth it's sometimes little sometimes, wins sometimes you know we don't have it in our mind you know it's just like oh you know i could do this instead or you know just but after experience things we didn't you, see before you don't see them but until later you know even though you're in the same only terrain. because you went through the forest now you can recognize them. you can recognize them. <coughs> it, could, it could be the same that it could be. It could be the same desert, only the same challenge with a new outlook on yeah. Right. Exactly. Knowledge. But you've already grown past that, that, that previous desert, right? You haven't grown past it? You did. You, you went through a cycle. You like, let's say. You have gone past it. Right. Meaning you could go from the field to, to the forest. From the forest to that same desert. That right. That you two days ago. Right. 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 But now you have a new perspective because you went through the field and the forest. Moscow. 100%. 100%. But, but now, then in essence, it's a different desert. Right. Because this one has a path to the side that you noticed, right? <laughs> okay, we're saying the same thing. Yes. David and I are, are brothers, and we have very different ways of saying things. So. <laughs> but, amazingly enough, we come from the same place, so a lot of the things uh, we're saying are actually the same. That's beautiful. Yeah, right, right. It could be the, it could be the same desert. Right? Yes, yes, yes. And then there's that important line at the but, bottom. Yeah. You know, one, one point on that. When you bring in that teaching from Rabbi Nachman, he, when, he t- when he speaks about he's going to the next level, it, it appears to be the same desert, but it's really not the same desert. It's one level higher. You understand? He's like on the next level. Even though it's desert, mm-hmm. the quality and quantity might look the same and feel the same, but he's on the next level already. You understand? It's kind of like a... I wasn't nitpicking yeah. on the different desert. I was nitpicking on the different challenge. Yes, yeah. right. It doesn't have to be necessarily a different challenge. You can be challenged with something you were challenged if, before. If a person thinks he's back in, in square one, he's going to be depressed. Right. Rabbi Nachman says you cannot think that because, because he has to know that he's actually entering a new, a new era, a new, a new level with its new shells and, and concealments and its new uh, era. You know, he's got to break through that. So can I ask the question, is that um, based on your perception because you experienced it? So is it perception? It enables you to see that next level. I mean, uh, we're not, we're not. I mean, sometimes we don't see it, but I know the only reason why I have like encouragement when I, like, let's say for example, a person has a certain challenge, you know, a certain spiritual challenge that he's dealing with, and he and he works on it, and he works on it, and he overcomes it, and he overcomes it, and then it's no longer a challenge for maybe a year or two years or so, and then all of a sudden he's got the same challenge again. No, we move, I won't go way past this. To him, it might feel the same, and probably looks the same. He thinks to himself, what am I? I was like, it's pointless. What, what am, what's the point of my growth? What's the point of my working hard if I'm going to wind up in square one again? Right. But a person has to know that, and this is where Rabbi Nachman sends like that, you know, lifesaver and tells us, hey, listen, you know, you're not, you're not back in, in zero again. You know, you're in the next, you're in the next level of it. And you need to encourage yourself with that, because otherwise you think, you know, what's the point of all of it, you know, going... So exactly. much hard work and so much overcoming and prayer, whatever it is, and, and you're back to square one again after you know you worked on it for several years, maybe. And so you feel like you're in a rut. A person, like a, a person, a person can com- completely go out. off track because of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it looks and feels the same. Yeah. You know, it can send you back to your original desert, right? If it's you don't recognize, exactly, you're floating through space. But it could send you all the way back. I mean, you get that feeling. You get that feeling like. This is such a beautiful example. It's like, I thought I beat this Yitzhahara. And then he's right back in my face two years later. It's like, 
I thought I had this behind me. And that is your choice right there is like, okay, either you just spin off into oblivion, right? Is that that just affects you so deeply because you're just down on yourself. And yeah. you're like, I didn't all that hard work. What did I do? Right. What did I do? Back, it's so back beautiful. The same, the same slob I used to be right. you know, two years ago. Right. And that's right. the importance, I think, of bringing your fruits and your water with you into the desert when, from when you're in the forest. Is that then you have that with you. Yeah. And you know, well, I, it's a reminder that I know that I, am, I have gotten back to this level. I know that I'm, it's not the same desert because I'm not the same person who was in that desert. Very good. Even if it is exactly the same. Very good. Very good. Even though that challenge is, 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 is you're facing it again, right? right? But to understand that, to understand what you have, like in your pack, right? right. Like what you're carrying with right. you. Love it. Love it. Love it. Use every opportunity. This is the, I think, a, a very important part of this chapter is on the bottom of 98. Another related idea where the author says one of the mighty implications of the Baal Shem Tov's doctrine of perceiving the godly holiness within everything is the redeemable nature of life. Every part of the human experience can be used as a tool to discover and cleave to Hashem's presence. Use the opportunities that were presented. If the opportunity is an opportunity of a desert, use that opportunity. That's exactly what Rabbi Nachman is mechadesh, is that I'll let you know what's coming been through the growth i've been there i have the insight i'm gonna share it with you i'll let you know what's coming and i'll let you know how to pack a bag right what to pack right i'll let you know what the tools the tools that are necessary um you know in terms of practical i think there's important things in here about the practical like what to do with sadness you ever wake up and just feel down right what to do with that? What to do with your emotions? I'm, I, I mean, we could talk about it. We could really talk about it. Maybe we'll, we'll split this chapter into two also. Um, what? Yeah? It's a long chapter. I mean, it's a long chapter. It, it happens to be a long chapter, and there's a, just a lot of stuff to unpack. A lot of content. But what to do with sadness? Like, in a very practical way. Like, sometimes you just wake up sad, right? Sometimes you're just going through a, going through a funk, and you're just yeah. sad. What do you do with it, right? So from this, what we just said was the idea that everything and everything is being orchestrated by Hashem and everything is there for a reason. And that's the whole idea is every part of the human experience can be used as a tool to discover and cleave to Hashem's presence. So what do you do with sadness, right? You don't want, you don't want it to end up, you don't want it to leak into, uh, to, be, to become depressed. So what do you do with sadness? What do you do with that feeling? And people just, you get in the mood and you can be sad, right? So what do you do? What do you do? Well, puppy mean, pictures. What? Puppy, puppy pictures. <laughs> Cats <laughs> juggling on YouTube. <laughs> you know, when you, when you get into those moods, you kind of, in your mind, you're thinking that I'm never going to get out of this rut. And you're thinking you're trapped and you think there's no use for anything. But you don't realize that, like, maybe tomorrow you'll have a completely different outlook. So, I, you know, what I just try to tell myself is just be patient. This is just going to pass. You know, it's going to pass. And tomorrow's a new day. It's a new outlook tomorrow, you know. So that you don't fall deeper and deeper and deeper. You just say, okay, hold on to patience. Okay, whatever it is going to pass. Let it pass. You know, this is what Hashem wants. This is the, you know, whatever it is you're dealing with. And yeah. Just be patient. Because yeah. if, you, if, you get, if you get anxious about it, you get nervous about it, or you say, you say, well, it's not changing, it's not changing. You're just going to, you're just digging yourself deeper and deeper and deeper. Getting yeah. in. Getting in deeper. You're not, you're not attached to it, right? So, like, one of the things with Lost Princess is this, this childhood thing. The one thing about 
kids, they don't attach to emotions. They can be crying one moment, laughing the next moment. Right. You know, we sort of like that mindset, like. But it doesn't define them. Yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't define, define who them. they are. It's their right. emotion that they're feeling at the moment, but it doesn't yeah. define them. So I think those are very important. And here he points out another thing. I agree with that. You know, you, you, sometimes you just got to like ride it through. You got to ride it through, right? Like with patience, not with anxiety or getting anxious about it um, because then it just eats you up. But to ride it through with, with patience, I think, is, is, totally, uh, is totally important. They also, the tzaddikim talk about, he brings here from the Ishbitzer and the Balatanya, is that, and I think is a very high level, but I think it's worth it to describe so that we know that these levels exist, right? Sometimes we talk about a level that, for me personally, is, is you know, is a challenge to work on on this type of level. But I think it's worth it so that we understand the way that tzaddikim say it is this idea of channeling your emotions and your emotional state towards avodas Hashem, towards the service of Hashem, and towards your relationship with Hashem. So if you wake up in the morning, says the Balatanya, if you wake up in the morning and you are feeling down, so then you're already naturally in a state of thinking about yourself, right? Because you're very in tune and aware that you're down. You feel it, right? You're already thinking about yourself. And um, to, to be able to, it's a great time to be able to contemplate one's distance from Hashem, which is not something... Again, what do you say? Is that when you're down, use it as a chance. You're already in that state. So now how do you elevate that state? Not how do you get out of it. That I think Carlos has got the key, right? The patience and understanding that it will pass. Not how do you get out of that state, but what do you do when you're inside of it? Inside, you're inside of that state. So it says the Balatanya talks about channeling that emotion which you've already gotten if you think about it like this, it sounds crazy, but you've gotten the gift. You're naturally now feeling sad. So now channel your sadness towards something productive, which is, wow, it's really sad that as much as I'm growing, I still do have things that are challenging me and that are keeping me and that are, I'm setting up for maybe for myself as roadblocks towards my growth. It's sad how, self, how self, self-centered I am. It's sad how, <laughs> how much I'm thinking about myself, right? But to think about it, because why? Why does, what, what, what do you think is like the, what's the depth behind what the Balatanya is saying? So how do you do that and not sink deeper? Oh, oh okay, okay. So I think you need a combination. I think you need a combination of understanding that this is a mood and it needs to pass. Because you can't exist in this mood because you're just going to sink deeper, right? I think you need that as level one, right? That you need to understand. But while you're in it, instead of maybe this helps alleviate some of that anxiousness to get out of it, is the ability to say, I I can use this. I can use this to my advantage. What's the Balatanya saying? We have like uh, or or asked to be in a state of sadness. Right. So we're... But about lost the temple, right? So, and, and sometimes it's like I don't want to be like sad. Right, that's hard. Right, it's now, hard to do, things. right? But if you find yourself in that state, you can fill that state with the, the right thing. Is that what you're? Is yes, what you're yes, yes. You, yes, exactly, okay. exactly. He's also saying is the goal is not to be joyous and then pull yourself into sadness about how far away you are from Hashem. Sadness is the worst, is, is the worst uh, recipe. If you're already there, how do you get out? That's a different story. But right. don't, put, don't put yourself to that. So that's exactly what the Balatanya is saying. Is don't, that's not a method of growth to force yourself into to be sad about how far away you are from Hashem. He says, no, 
that discussion's off the table. You're already sad? Now we could talk. Okay. Now your heart's open. There's another part of your heart that's open. Use it. Elevate it. And in fact, it becomes a moment of inspiration for yourself to say, wow, look at this. Instead of just, I might also snap at my wife and kids when I'm sad, right? But instead of just doing that, I'm also contemplating the things that I need to work on because I'm already naturally in this state of contemplative thought or this state of, you know, it's a very hard word, the word of sadness. But, you know, when, when to elevate the emotion and it goes the other way also, I think you could apply it to the other way. When you talk about how Allah Samidos of raising up emotions, it goes the other way also. When you wake up and you're just like in a great mood, then don't waste that. Go daven Tashem and tell him I'm in a great mood. Like use it, channel it, channel the energy that you have. When you have a ton of energy, go for a run. That's amazing. It'll give you more energy, right? Do it, go for it. But then use it towards making yourself healthier so you can grow more. Making yourself uh, more, you know, use the energy towards, towards Torah study or towards doing a mitzvah. Do a mitzvah with energy is like you're taking the emotional state that you're in, whatever your thing is at that moment, and you're using it and elevating it. So that was the other thing that came out is, you know, talking about, um, talking about the emotions and emotional states. I also heard if you cry, if you cry to Hashem, or you actually physically cry, so that's it, it acts as like a mikvah, or, mm-hmm. and that uh, the story of, of Rachel when she cried, when she cried because of her crying, that's why Mashiach comes. So right. do something very powerful about crying. Right, right. Right, exactly, exactly. You're much more in tune when you're, especially when you're sad, you're much more in tune with your emotions and yourself. Um, You know, it can become a a wall in between you and yourself, but you're much more in tune. So there's, there's definitely, you know, seize the moment, seize the opportunity, understand that this is like, your moods are also part of Hashem's, you know, running the world, right? Things like, I just, listen, I'm just, just upset, so I, I can't dive in. It's like, what do you mean? Like, grab the opportunity. And this, you know, we talked about different levels of growth also. Um, there's definitely some, some, some of that too. Rav Tzaddik says on, on page 100, in a time of dissent, when a person has no desire for Torah and Avoda, he is just, I ain't feeling it, right? Rav Tzaddik says, it's a preparation for a great ascent. You're about, <clears throat> you're about to break through by way What's the method? By way of the cry that one emits when he contemplates his lowliness and descent. Meaning, don't put yourself in that contemplation about your lowliness and descent. That's not healthy. You know, if I think about the things that, I'm, that I mess up on, right? I'm just going to you know, spin off into that world that Carlos was describing. It's not even a desert, right? But if you're in it, if you're feeling it, okay, so then channel your emotions, right? Um, channel your emotions, so, the, so what does he say? He ends up here. Maybe we'll end uh, this, uh, this paragraph. What do you think about this one? On 101. The Viceroy's discovery of a path to the side from within the desert of spiritual brokenness represents the first breakthrough in his journey. This is going to lead us. What we're getting towards is that by taking this path to the side, 
which we haven't defined yet. I think we're going to wait till next week. But by taking this path to the side, he's able to discover at least the place where the princess is, at least where the princess went. It's his, literally his first step, his first step to discovering where the lost princess is, to rediscovering the lost princess, is at the end of this road. But remember that it comes from within the desert of spiritual brokenness. And as we shall read in the chapters ahead, it leads him directly to the place where the princess is being held. It's therefore important for us to examine the nature of this path, exploring its symbolism, as well as the significance of its being to the side. Right? Like Rabbi Nachman says, it's a path and it's to the side. What is it? It's right? interesting how it's, uh, you know, it makes sense that it would be in the desert because it's the no good one and the desert is like, that's his domain. Right. 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 Who else would be capturing the princess? Right. Besides the no good one. Right, right. It's right. also at, at your low points, it's a path to like, you know, like when you're flourishing, like there it doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's like really path to like get there, to get to where you're, you're going. You have to go, it seems to me that he's saying it has to be in that desert. It's from the desert. It's from the desert because yeah, you've yeah. leveled up. You've leveled up and you're like, okay, you broke through to a whole nother level. Now you're in that, that world. Okay, now you can discover a path. And it's not the regular, it seems like what he's indicating is that without even getting into what this path to the side is, but it seems like he's indicating that it's not the way to discover the lost princess or the path that takes you to the lost princess is not your standard, possibly standardized growth process of like we described like, you know, three areas. Like Isaac say. It's the desert, which is the furthest place where you would think you'd be able to discover the lost princess. But Rabbi Nachman's indicating that you don't find her in the desert, right? But the path to her is once you make a decision, I need to go on a path to the side. You yourself, personally, inside of you, you say, I need something else. I need something else to make this work. In order to find excitement, joy, passion, youthfulness, in my service of Hashem, I need something else. I need something different. You know what's interesting is it's, it's, the desert is the most dangerous domain as far as your Yiddish guy is concerned. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're with the Goyim, you're involving yourself in the world. I mean, at any point in time, you Vegas, at any point in time, Vegas. I mean, <laughs> you know, somebody might, somebody literally might take this, oh, the princess is in Vegas. I'm uh-huh. going to go to Vegas. I'm gonna live there. I'm gonna move. Right. Completely go right. out, of, out of space. Right. You know, it flies out of, off the map. Right. But the princess is not in the desert. It's not in the desert, but the. the, the you way say you might have to go through Vegas, travel through Vegas to find your path to the side. But in essence, in in growth, yeah, sometimes you have to get to the top of the next level, the bottom of the next level. But the interest, the interesting thing here is that your. You're closer to the princess in the desert, even though you think you're probably closer yeah. to her in the forest. Right. Right. But you don't see it. You understand? Right. The, the way I look at it is when you're, when you, okay, so there are three stages. The desert, which is like, it's hard to grow. You can't do anything. It's very, it's very difficult. The only thing you do is try to maintain the, the field, which is, it's, it, we're, we're like, if I push a little bit, I can make things happen. I can do this. And, the, and then the forest where it's all, you know, happening on its own. Those are places you're not going to look for a path. The only place when you get back to that desert, you're, you're like, this is not working. I need to find another way. And then like you're, you're really searching 
when you hit that desert yeah. because you realize you, you've gone back to that point where nothing's going to grow, my, my seeds are, are useless here. So you need to like look for something and that's why you're going to find it in that's the desert. How, that's how it helps Yaakov. Because the desert is a sad, you know, and it helps Yaakov. Fine. Because of, because of the fact that it's such a harsh environment that you're desperate. Yeah, you know? right. And because you get desperate, you go looking. You're looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where you're only going to look. Because other places you're not really going to try to look. These, this is the only place you're going to try to look for some different path to get to. Then you go up. Then you go off. Then you go along that path, and it leads you somewhere. But we still have to talk about what the path is, right? Still have to talk about what the path is. I think we all read it, right, in two lines. But I think it needs a lot of discussion. It needs a lot of discussion. But there's two options basically for this path that Rabbi Nachman could be describing. Two. Two. There's two. Um, two things are proposed as to what this path is, and most likely it's a combination of both, but he's definitely weaving ideas from both of them into the story. Um, the first one is the path to the side represents finding your own individual place, individualized place, special path and place that is within Judaism. So that means that it includes within Torah and within mitzvah and within mitzvahs is finding what part of this beautiful tapestry in front of you of Torah and mitzvahs, what part your soul connects to. Right? And because there is something individualized for every single person. The proof is if there was no special individual path for you, then there's no reason for Hashem to add you to the mix of the world. So just by the fact that you are added to the world, Hashem decided that you should be part of this world. That means that he wants you in your own individual way to find a place of connection, right? And we'll talk about the, we're not even going to make the disclaimer because everyone knows it goes without saying. You can look at the note. It goes without saying that what's off limits is anything that's outside of the parameters of the, the Dalid Amot Shalalacha, outside of Jewish law, Right? And outside of minhag, outside of custom, those things are off limits. But we're talking about within, within the walls of Jewish law, right? Within the walls of halacha, you have to fill it with something that's special to you, right? And if you think about it, a little, a, a one second example, and we're going over time. Think about a one second example. Someone just said this. Who just said this? When we get to Shmon Esrei, when we get to the Amidah, the silent prayer during davening, we all say the same words. Right? We all say the same words. Right? Standardized prayer. I mean, it's really the whole prayer, right? But we all quietly say the same words. But says the lesson of the path to the side is that if you don't have something that you are, you are making personal inside of that prayer, then there's something missing. Right? So that's the same exact, that's like a, a good example of it. Is there has to be something personal inside of there. And there you're talking about bakashot, where you're making requests and you're talking and developing a relationship with Hashem in words, using your best tool, right? Using your words. And you have to find it a personal place. So you have to pay attention to the whole davening, right? But if there's not a one line in Shimon Esrei that does it, you don't say, this is my line today. This is my line. I'm going to kill it. Or this is my paragraph, right? I'm in this one today, 
right? Or I'm in this part of Shimon Esrei. If you're not, then there's something missing, right? So he's encouraging, encouraging the way to find your passion for Judaism is to focus and excel in your specific area. And it takes a lot of eating from the smorgasbord to figure out what your area is, right? Figure out that, ooh, the herring, eh, not for me, right? The liver, oh, but that type of liver, not for me. That one over there, the one on the other side of the table. You got to taste everything, right? So yeah, he's encouraging, Rabbi Nachman's encouraging that tasting and, and trying and pushing and learning and find your, your individualized part. That's number one. And number two is individualized prayer. So we just talked about the Amidah and Shona Esrei and standardized prayer. The Rabbi Nachman is very strongly in this part of the story encouraging that the way to find your princess is through personal, heartfelt talking and discussion with Hashem. I think that's one of the things that needs to t- we need to take a long time on, talking about what Rabbi Nachman calls hit bodidut, right? Being alone, right? Alone time, but not alone. Alone, alone, but never alone. Right? Is spending time talking to Hashem, using opportunities to talk to Hashem openly, honestly, and in your own language as a person would talk to their friend. Which sounds crazy. What do you mean? It's the master of the universe. What do you mean? Talk? Develop a relationship to the point with Hashem that you can talk openly and honestly in your own words. And that I think needs time to develop because it's a, for some reason, it became a foreign concept even though prayers are meant to elicit these, these feelings, but for some reason it's become uh, taboo. taboo or foreign. That's, how, that's, foreign. How our, that's how our forefathers used to pray. And that's how they prayed, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's not a tradition that, uh, but yeah, but there's something that we need to talk about. But both of those are two options for this side to the path, this path to the side, this side to the path, this path to the side, right? Which means it's not a path that, it's not a highway, this is not where everyone is traveling. Everyone's traveling. Very good. That's, a, that's also a good point, right? But no, but there's not the, the, they don't come fight against you because you could sneak in on the side, right? Yeah, you could sneak in by like in between Tijuana and Temecula. You can get in over there, right? So uh, exactly. You do a little wading across the river. But that, the idea is that it's a path to the side is because this is not a path that is well-traveled. Why? Because people are lost in their desert field forest cycle and never realize that there's a path to the side that actually leads to the lost princess of youthful excitement passion joy exuberance intensity engagement with your own judaism your torah your mitzvahs hashem to be able to engage yeah there's a this special stuff that's said about the why is it, oh why is it a sada yeah. Well, Yitzchak had to work hard. It's, remember, it's only a mushal here. It's not necessarily applicable every time you see Sadeh. But, uh, but you know what he was, what was he doing? Talking to Hashem, right? And then no sitter. The word Davin. Davin. There's no source for it. Right. It's Aramaic for Da'avuhon. Da'avuhon. Of? Of our, of our ancestors. Of our ancestors. When we Davin, the word Davin is in Aramaic, Da'avuhon. 
weapon. Exactly. My sisters. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. I remember reading the. Uh, uh, I think Rabbi Nachman said a little bit more on that idea. He says that when I spoke, I think it was in the mountains. Right. Yeah, it's stuck in the, in the field, and uh, Yaakov in the house. Meaning, meaning, uh, meaning that each one of them brought godliness to a different level. Uh, one, you know, let's say, let's say one is like undiluted, unfiltered, and it became more filtered, more uh, applicable. Thanks, more, Dan. More, and then when Yaakov brought it in, more, more, more uh, I can, I can relate to this more. Yeah. Different levels of very good, yeah. very good. But those two are two two that we have to. I think we have to spend more time talking about practical, practical. How do you make it individual in Torah, in mitzvahs? How do you do it? How do you make it individual, individualized?